Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach for just a little while. Something to rejoice about. Something to rejoice about. Some of us Christians have the bad habit of, of what we call the chronic spiritual disease that may be called looking and living on the dark side of life. And the reason for this is that there is an absence of joy in our lives. We dwell on the circumstances of our lives instead of looking unto Jesus, who is the joy in time of trouble. Sometimes we dwell on what we have gone through rather than what God has brought us out of. Sometimes we dwell more on what we're going through than what we are being brought into. We dwell more on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we already do have. Sometimes, if we're honest, we dwell more on what we have suffered than on what the Lord has allowed us to deliver us from. And not only in the delivering us from, we have become something else because of what we have gone through, and God deserves praise for that. Christian maturity, just maturity in general, but specifically Christian maturity happens after you go through something. And so we tend to dwell on that, right? We, 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 we do this with, a, with hardly a reference. Sometimes when we do this, right, we, 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 we constantly tell people, you ever, you ever tell Christians or you ever see Christians in the Christian life, if you were to ask Christians what they think of the Christian life, some will give you a detailed description of the continual conflict and, and, and we, we, we give our, uh, a description of sad adversities and our dreaded sinfulness. We do this with hardly any reference to the love, the mercy, the grace, and the presence of God that aided us in the time of trouble. Sometimes all we tell, when people ask us about our Christian journey, it's rough. It's hard. Man, you ought to listen. Let me tell you about my Christian journey. There is grace, there is love, there is mercy. I serve a God that even after I fall, He props me back up again and puts me right back in the game. See, if we're not careful, we dwell on all the struggles instead of telling people of this love of this God who aids us in the time of trouble. But a Christian who has a healthy soul, and you know some Christians have malnourished souls, right? Malnutrition souls, but some of us have healthy souls, right? But a Christian who has a healthy soul, they learn to come forward and joyfully say, I will speak, but not for myself. But I'm going to speak for the glory and the honor of God. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm going to speak on behalf of God to the glory and honor of God. We need to remember that God is still in control of every situation, and whatever God does is either for his glory or our good. 
So no matter what the circumstances of life might be, we should remember what Paul wrote in Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It is true, Cornerstone, that we have trials and tribulations, but it's just as true that God delivers us out of trials and gives us strength to overcome tribulation and temptation. And in order to get out of a trial or tribulation, you first got to go through one. It is true that we do have our sins and transgressions, but it's just as true that we have an all-sufficient Savior who forgives us and sets us free from sin's dominion. You know, some people say, well, Pastor Grace, what do you get so excited about? I'm so excited that I'm no longer under sin's dominion. Sin doesn't have power in my life. And I'm not saying that I don't sin. What I'm trying to say that in the life of a believer is this. Watch this. You have power to say no. Y'all missed that. You have the power to walk away from. You have the power to keep your mouth shut. I know it's hard for some of y'all to think, believe that. But you have the power to keep your mouth shut. You got a power to de-escalate situations. You got a power to walk away. Sin no longer has dominion. You will be tempted. You'll have it in front of you. But guess what, believer? If we sin, especially knowingly, it's because we want it to. Y'all didn't want to hear that, right? If I sin knowingly, I know this don't glorify God, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to do, where I'm about to go. I know it can be destructive to the kingdom. I know it can hurt my testimony. I know somebody's feelings going to get hurt. Guess what? I did it not because sin had dominion. I did it because I wanted to do it. So that I glorify God that sin no longer has dominion, right? So I have to accept a full responsibility. So there's a lot of things to rejoice about, right? We have this all-sufficient Savior. The more numerous my troubles, the deeper my sorrow, the more racking of our pain, the louder my thanks and your praises to God should be. Right? God has brought us out. He has brought us through. God has preserved us to this present moment. So instead of living and dwelling on the dark side of life, we should be too busy thanking and praising God for the bright side of life. Everywhere we look, people are looking for happiness. Some turn to drugs, but there's no happiness in drugs. Some people... Some people turn to alcohol. There's no happiness in alcohol. Some people look for happiness in their homes, in their cars, in affairs, in their children, in their spouse. They may find just a little bit of happiness, but they don't have any joy. And you know there is a difference, believer, between happiness and joy. Let me just review it for you. I told you I wasn't going deep. This is about review this morning. Happiness depends on your circumstances. Happiness depends on what you have. Happiness depends on what's happening. But soon or later your happiness is going to run out. 
you'll get tired of the things that used to make you happy because they don't make you happy anymore. But I've got good news for you today. We all have something to rejoice about. Happiness depends on what's happening, but joy depends on what's already happened 2,000 years ago. When Jesus shed his precious blood on Calvary, that's why I cannot stop, I will not stop, I shall not stop praising the Lord because I've got joy because of what happened 2,000 years ago. As Puffy used to say, can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. I can't stop, won't stop praising the Lord for what he's done for me. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When you have the Spirit of Christ working on the inside, there should be some joy that's produced on the outside. All right? Hmm. Let, me, let me break this down. I'm, I'm reading this book um, called Restored at the Root. I, and I, I don't know. I might have said it in Bible study. There are times where you can see a big, what the, I, the author talks about, he was a farmer, and he, and he saw, he was in an orchard, and he saw some healthy trees bearing fruit. And then he saw a tree just like it. It was alive, big branches, looked good from the outside, beautiful shade tree, but it wasn't bearing any fruit. And so when he asked his neighbor buddy who was who was great in agriculture, he said the reason why this tree looks good on the outside and it's not bearing any fruit because it has a root problem. So some of us look good on the outside. We got big, beautiful families. We got big, beautiful shade trees. We even got flowers on it, but we don't even know what joy is. Why? Because there's a root problem. There's a root, let me say it again, there's a root problem. There's a problem at the root that you haven't dwelt with. Joy of the, joy of the Lord is a spiritual fruit. If you want to bear joy, you have to do something about the root issue. I don't care what you look like on the outside. I don't care what you got. I don't care what you driving. That's why successful people commit suicide. That's why successful people will do things to destroy themselves after a while because there is a root problem. But Christ says that if you are rooted in me, if you nourish the soil with your tears sometimes, your root will get nourished and you'll begin to bear fruit in your life, a life of purpose, a life of change, a life that blesses everybody. Got to get down to the root problem. So joy of the Lord is a spiritual fruit. When you have Christ on the inside, when you have the Spirit of Christ working on the inside, there should be some joy on the outside. Maybe you're a Christian, but you don't have the Spirit of Christ working on the inside. You can have Christ on the inside, but you got to allow him to work on the inside. Tests and trials come to everybody. Some folk teach that the moment you become a Christian, all of your trials and worries will be over. But brother and sister, that is not so because we have an enemy, Satan, who is on the loose and he's going hard after you. 
He is going to and fro, seeking whom he can devour. And one thing about Satan is he knows you, and he knows me, and he knows what we like, and he knows just how you like it, and he knows how to tempt you with it, and it's your attitude that'll make the difference. Let me tell you something about your enemy. Your enemy ain't playing with you. I'm talking to believers now. The devil ain't playing with you. He come to destroy, to devour you. I know you watch TV shows like The Devil Wear Prada. And you watch all these shows on TV about, you know, people being possessed and it's blessing them. And, oh, the, the, the Lucifer. I don't play with none of that because he is a devourer of them. He didn't come to bless you. He didn't come to open doors for you. He's come to devour you. You've got an enemy. The church Sunday after Sunday, but allow yourself to be influenced by devilish things. That's ridiculous. It really is. And you wonder why you're not bearing any fruit because you have an enemy. He doesn't want to slow you down. He wants to devour you, your family, your reputation, your health. Your, how many, how many <laughs> I don't want to say how many of y'all, your finances, right? You ain't got no money now because you're listening to the devil, amen. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's, he's a devourer. That's what he comes to do. But Christ, Christ didn't come that. But you have to recognize that you have an enemy, right? And so you have to always have this attitude of praise. I'm going to get to the text in a minute because I want to show you something. So when like Paul and Silas, you have to choose to praise God in the midnight hour. Listen, listen, let me, let me tell you something interesting about Paul and Silas and interesting about all the Bible characters. They had no idea that, the, that, that there would be an earthquake. They had no idea that they were going to be delivered. They just chose to praise God when things were the darkest. We know the story and still don't choose to praise God. We call everybody, we make phone calls, we write letters, we get attorney. Oh, and that, that might have its place. But Paul and Silas are in prison. All right? Not, not the nice prison where everybody had an orange. Everybody watching TV. Y'all think that's bad. No. They was whipped, put in prison. No medical attention. Right? Nowadays, man, you know, I'm talking from a police officer's perspective, you know, you got to take the guy to the hospital, woman to the hospital first before the jail even receive him. Not, no, not back then. So at the darkest time in the midnight hour, <laughs> they prayed and sang praises. Y'all missed that. They didn't sing Negro spirituals. Swing low, sweet cherry. No, they prayed and sang, what a mighty God we serve. They sang praises in the midnight hour. But you come to church Sunday after, I'm going to make it, Pastor. You know the formula, pray and sing praises. You have something to rejoice about. Listen, listen, listen. Don't you ever get on the phone and bring me down. I ain't going to let you. I'm going to say, wait, before we go off the phone, you need to tell me something that you can rejoice about. I challenged the Bible study class, right? 
My wife still does it. My wife still does it to this day. She will not go to bed until she writes down three things to be grateful for. Right? It changes your whole perspective. I don't care how the day went. She said, wait, 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 wait. She goes to the memo pad. She does it more. I'm the one who gave the assignment and don't even do it, right? So I know y'all don't do it. Some of y'all. <laughs> she said, wait, I got to write down, write down three things that I'm grateful for, right? I don't care what you're going through. You have something to rejoice about. Watch this. And it's your attitude that determines your altitude. We know that. It's my attitude. My attitude will determine whether I'm going to be lifted up out of what's happening here. So, so look at that. Let me write this down, right? And let, let, let me check this out, what, what I have written down, right? Uh, uh, Paul and Silas, they praise God in the midnight hour, right? The, when you choose to praise God, they made a choice. I, wanted, I said all that to say they made a choice to do it. What do you choose to do when you're going through? They made a choice to pray and sing praises. What you choose to do will always determine your outcome of the situation. Your life is nothing but what? A series of choices. That's all your life is. When you're to the end of your life, you are where you are because of the choices you have made or did not make. That's just the bottom line. Your life is a series of choices. They're in jail. It's midnight. They choose to sing praises, right? And I believe if a lot of folk would just quit praying over and over again about the same petition and start praising God, it don't say they prayed about it over and over again. They prayed and they started praising. Sometimes you got to stop praying over and over and over and over and start thanking God. Ah. What, if, what if your kid, right? Right, you ask you, you, anybody got them kids that ask you something a million times? My kids are grown now, but they did. My grandkids do it now. What if they stopped asking you the same question a million times and started thanking you for what they've been asking you for? You might fool around and go get it. <laughs> you know what, Pop? I just want to thank you for that $20 that I know you're thinking about giving me. And Jesus says that if you being evil, you being evil, know how to bless your kids, how much more does your holy heavenly father who is holy want to bless you? There ought to be times you stop praying and start praising. You have something to rejoice about. I just gave some kids in the room a strategy, see? See? Hey? I tried to do it while the majority of them went to the new little class over there, but some other were like, I got this now. And so, and so singing and making praises to the Lord is something that should be happening in the life of every believer. It's not deep, y'all. Singing and praising the Lord indicate a gladness of heart. It's not deep. We should, we should be glad and rejoice because this is the day of salvation and dominion which the Lord has made for us in Christ. That's what we can rejoice about. Singing and praising God in your heart to the Lord, it should be just as natural to the spirit-filled Christian as crowing is to a rooster. You know, a, a rooster doesn't crow to show off that he can do it. 
Crowing is just part of him. He can't help to crow because it's part of his nature. And in the same way, we as Christians, we can't help but be glad because I know that I have been redeemed by Christ. I can't help but praise the Lord because it's in my nature. I know my life looks crazy. I know you think I'll never come up and come out of it, but I've got to praise the Lord anyhow because it's in my nature to do so. Part of my nature. You know, there, 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 there are signs if people are really saved or not. You say, you, you ain't judging nobody, but it's just fruit that you see. It's just fruit. I, I keep telling you, I don't, I don't judge an orange tree. But if an orange tree gives me apples, it's an apple tree. It's not judgment. I'm just looking at the fruit. Just looking at the fruit. <laughs> so a Christian who produces gladness produces these fruit. A Christian who has the Spirit of God working in them, I'm not glad about my situation. I'm just glad knowing that God's going to see me through this situation. I ain't glad about it. I know glad God is going to see me through. Philippians 4, 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This verse doesn't say rejoice in the Lord every now and then. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord when you think about it or you feel like it. It says rejoice in the Lord always and evermore. When you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, your heart is filled with gladness and rejoicing. You will praise God no matter what the circumstance is. Many of us do a lot of praying when we're faced with tests and trials, and, and yet we never seem to get anywhere in those prayers. Well, thank God for prayer. Prayer is needed. Prayer is essential. Certainly, we should pray when facing a trial or test, but we need to add something to the prayer. Acts 16.25 says this, Paul and Silas <clears throat> prayed and sang praises unto God. This verse tells us what to do in the midnight hour. See, I told you it's not deep. It's simple. And if you're going through it, this verse tells you what to do. <clears throat> it's, it's to pray and sing praises. Folks who don't praise the Lord in the midst of tests and trials are just living in the natural. And they're letting the circumstances rule and reign over them. Listen to what I'm about to say, because it's biblical. I'm going to go back to the text. We let circumstances rule and reign over us. A lot of times, <clears throat> our decisions are made by the circumstances that we're facing. Am I right? It's natural. That's what we do in the natural. The, circum you know, the circumstances rule and reigns over us. But Christian, in Romans 5, 17, this is why I tell you to study your word. Paul writes in Romans 5, 17, it's what I call a power verse. This is a power verse. Highlight it. It says, for by one man's offense... Death reigned by one, talking about Adam, but much more they, will, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. That's Jesus Christ. We are able to rule and reign over our circumstances because Christ lives in me. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. Y'all get it. We live reactionary lives. Right? In, in football, I always thought defense was the hardest to play. 
Offense takes action. Defense reacts. It's hard. Offense knows what it's about to do. Defense, I have no clue. I have to react to what you're doing. So a lot of times in a Christian life, we live reactionary lives. And Paul says, no, no, believer. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You ought to rule and reign. The power God has given you through Jesus Christ is to rule and reign over the circumstance. You know what rule and reign over the circumstances is this. The world says no, but you say, no, nah, it ain't going down like that. The world says you're going to need this. You're going to have to, no, 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 no. In Christ and by Christ, I rule over this circumstance. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. I ain't going out like that. Nope, nope, nope. I call the shots. I rule. I reign over this circumstance by Holy Spirit, by Jesus Christ that lives in me. So I'm not going to react to the circumstance. I'm going to control the circumstances. That's power. That's real spiritual power. No, no. My marriage is not on the rocks. I'm not going to respond to that. No, I have a beautiful marriage. You know why? I'm going to dictate the circumstances by the power that God has. Y'all keep missing that. I don't. No, 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 no. I don't care what you say, professor. I'm not dropping the course, professor. I'm staying right in it because there's a power that lives inside me that says I dictate the circumstance. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. On oh, my job, okay, okay, you mean I can't be successful? You mean I got to react? No, 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 I'm not going to react. I'm going to control the circumstances because I'm a born-again believer. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start singing praises. I'm going to watch God shake the foundation. I'm going to watch doors open, and I'm going to walk through because I control the circumstance. I control the circumstance. The believer is dangerous when they humbly realize the power that they have through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, Paul and Silas, they were dangerous. That's why people kept trying to imprison them. They didn't break out. They prayed and sang hymns, right? So, so, so listen, I, 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 want, I, want, I want all of you to come on over to where God wants you to be. I want you to get caught up in praising God. I want you to get caught up in being full of gladness and rejoicing. And while you're praising the Lord, he will walk on and walk in on your behalf. Look what he did for Paul and Silas, right? Some Christians go to church and sit there on the chair, and they look so sad, like they lost all their friends. They just sit there and look dead, as the saying goes, right? We used to say anything dead needs to be buried, right? Don't come in here looking dead. My Bible tells me in Psalm 100 that when I walk in here, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Oh, we should be rejoicing because this is the day of salvation because of our redemption in Christ Jesus. We should be rejoicing because this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So I just stopped by on my way to heaven to let you know that we've got something to rejoice about. No matter what the economy looks like, no matter what Trump says, no matter what the Democrats say, we've got something to rejoice about. 
We can rejoice. Why? Because our name is written in heaven. I can rejoice. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can rejoice. Why? Because weeping may endure for a night, but all the next morning joy going to show up. I can rejoice. Why? Because his mercy is from everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Revelation 21.4 says, And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's why I can rejoice. I'm so glad that I sing. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes are on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. This joy, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. That's why I can rejoice. That's why I can rejoice. Jesus says, John 16, 33. You got to pay attention to what Jesus said. He says some hard, infallible truths. And one of the hard, infallible truths is John 16, 33. In this world, you shall have trouble and tribulation. But, I love but, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then James says it in James 1, 2. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You see, human extremity is a divine opportunity. When we've gone as far as we can go, that's when God steps in. I don't mind going as far as I can go. I don't mind running out of money. I don't mind running out of influence. I don't mind running out of those things because as far as I can go, and God says, you ready? You ready, Graves? Yeah, Lord, I ain't got nothing left. Good. Strap up. When I've gone as far as I can go, God steps in and says, put your seatbelt on, boy. We're about to go somewhere you never thought we would go. Yeah. My extremity is God's opportunity, right? When man says no, God says yes, and that no fades away. When man puts a period, God adds an end. When man says it's the end, God said you just beginning. When man says it's all over, God says you're just getting started. God specializes in things that are impossible. Our destiny does not rely on what we can do. But your destiny relies on what God says he will do. That's what it relies on. He will make a way out of no way. Somebody know what I'm talking about. I wish I had a, 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 a somebody that could testify. He'll turn your midnight hour into daybreak. He'll open doors that are closed in your face. He'll make your enemies your footstools if you let him. I just stopped by to tell you, y'all, I've got a joy like a river and it flows continuously. I've got joy, unspeakable joy. This joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world cannot take it away. And so that's why I'm going to praise the Lord everywhere I go, because he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I know you came in here today wanting to find out the secret to your blessing. I've told you your secret. Pray and praise God at the same time. 
I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I, I, I want you to, before, before I'm done. Do you see the text? Do y'all see? Go home and read the rest of it, right? They pray. Sing praises. Not only did their chains fall off. <laughs> Not only did their chains fall off. The chains fell off of everybody that was around them and in prison. Uh, you praying for them kids, you better start praising the Lord. You praying for your, you, see God has a way that when you praise, when you sing praises, when you pray, that everybody around you is influenced by your relationship with him. Maybe they don't know the Lord yet because you ain't praised the Lord yet. Maybe they're still in bondage because you haven't praised the Lord yet. You've been praying and praying and praying. And Paul and Silas said, start singing. Start singing praises. I was been praying for my wife. Start singing praises. Praying for my wayward kids. Then stop and start singing praises. I've been praying for all the folks around me. Stop and start singing praises. And what has them bound will fall off of them too. Yeah, if you don't remember nothing else, you remember that. Because I guarantee you, your wife is bound by something. Husband, guarantee you, wife, your husband is bound by something. Guarantee you. I guarantee you, parents, all your kids are bound by something. I guarantee you that. And if they're ever going to break free, free it's going to take you praying and singing praises. There are people in your pew. Lord, why does I keep doing this? Why does this keep happening to me? Lord, I just can't seem to move forward. Why? Why? Maybe we ain't praising and singing enough praises to shake them out of bondage, to shake the chains. Give God some praise. Reminds me of a story, right? And, and it reminds me of a story, and, and I'm finished. A man wanted to see Buckingham Palace, and uh, a guy, a tour guide, took him to the gate of Buckingham Palace. He said, I want to see Buckingham Palace. He says, I, 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 don't, I don't, and so the guy take him to the gate. Another guy said, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to see it from here. I want to see it from the inside. I want to see it from the inside, right? And, and the tour guide replied, I'm, sir, I'm sorry, sir, replied the guy. I don't have the authority to show you the inside. Only members of the royal family can see the inside. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, and when it comes to experiencing his kingdom here and now, I can only take you to the gate. That's all I can do. Only a family member can get you on the inside. And it just so happened that I know a family member. Can I introduce you to him? Come on over here and let me introduce you to God's only begotten son. But first, you ought to know that he's the image of the invisible God. You got to know that he is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of God's nature. You should know that he was the word and became flesh and dwelt among us. But that's not all. I heard some call him advocate. Some call him lamb of God. Some call him the resurrection and the life. Some call him the bishop of souls. Some call him the judge and lord of lords. 
Some call him the man of sorrows, head of the church, master, faithful, and true witness. Some call him a rock, a high priest, the door, living water, bread of life, rose of Sharon, Alpha and Omega. Some call him the true vine, the Messiah, the teacher, the holy one, the mediator, the beloved, the branch, the carpenter, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the chief cornerstone, the savior, the servant, the author and the finisher of our faith. Some call him the Almighty, the Everlasting, Shiloh, Lion of the tribe of Judah. Some call him I Am, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, Bridegroom, Only Begotten Son, Wonderful, Counselor, Emmanuel, Son of Man, Dayspring, Amen, King of the Jews, Prophet, Redeemer, Anchor, Bright and Morning Star, The Way, The Truth, and The Life. I don't know what you call him. I can't remember all of that. So I just call him Jesus. I call him Jesus. He's God all by himself. Give God some praise. That's what I call him. I call him Jesus. God all by himself. I'm done. <laughs> 